Welcome, Bird Gang, and welcome to a football Friday ahead of Monday Night Football. Just saying those last three words has me excited. On today's show, how the Cardinals will beat the Dallas Cowboys. That's right, we've got Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory plus his X Factor. Everything you need to know, the storylines, the matchups, all straight ahead. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 334, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealou and Mike Jarecki. So how about we test your Arizona Cardinals knowledge, MJ, here right off the start. This date in Arizona Cardinals history, October 16th, 2006. And if you need a hint, I'll give you a hint. Okay. Monday night football. Well, they are playing the Cowboys. Correct. Was the game in uh, at State Farm Stadium? It was. Did Sean Murray have a role in the game? He did not. Okay, so that's going back a little bit further. All right, you stumped me. All right. On this date in 2006. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I know you're going. The yeah, Cardinals yeah, blew a 20-point yes. lead on the Bears on Monday Night Football. Dennis Green, post-game presser, quote, they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Yeah, and um, I was in the room, and I remember Sal Palantoni was there, and he's like, why is he yelling at us? I'm like, he's not yelling. He's upset uh, the way this team folded at the end, and, you know, the Devin Hester play, and then, you know, the report was he wouldn't, like, let Keith Rowan or Mike Krusek, who was a coordinator and quarterback's coach, let Matt Thrant throw the ball. They were settling for field goals. So, yeah, once you mentioned that, Monday Night Football. But I, I was also thinking of when they played the Cowboys and Sean Murray had that block in the end zone. But, yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. It was such a harmless question, but the best part about the entire thing was the pause at the end and then Mark Dalton, the Senior VP of Media Relations. Thanks, Coach. And that was it. So, yeah, and that's great video. This date's... And Arizona Cardinals history. We've got some more history for the Burr Gang a little bit later on in the show. A couple of notes before we dive into the meat of this football Friday. The next home game for the Cardinals. In fact, next week, they'll host the Seattle Seahawks October 25th. And it's been announced that fans will be in attendance at State Farm Stadium. The Arizona Department of Health Services is allowing a limited number, approximately 1,200. So now the question is, okay, who are those people? Season ticket holders based on seniority. More information can be found on azcardinals.com. But remember, the last time the Cardinals were playing at State Farm Stadium, 750 family and friends in attendance. So we are seeing a slow build, if you will, to get more people in that building. Yeah, and a lot of people are going to think, well, Dallas is going to have 25,000. You know, different states have different guidelines and you have to get this approved. It's not essential. So it's a start, and I assume when we start talking about the uh, Dolphins and Bills game, 
you know, my only concern, Craig, is how many Seahawks fans are we going to see next week? Now, we'll focus on this week, but how many are we going to see next week? And and I got to think if you're saying senior uh, seniority, we probably have to date back to Sun Devil Stadium for some of these Cardinal fans. So, you know, I know that everyone's probably thinking hopefully they get picked and all that, but I, I do think at some point Dolphins and Bills game, it could be a bigger capacity. And that's just me connecting the dots and based on how COVID is uh, is going here in the state of Arizona. Yeah, if you're going all the way back to Sun Devil Stadium, those are the diehards as far as who have followed the Cardinals since day one to now and have certainly ridden the roller coaster of a lot of ups and downs, more downs certainly at the start, and now hopefully the Cardinals are on the upswing. A couple of injury items as well as far as the outside linebacker position is concerned. That seems to be the most pressing issue as far as the injury reports. Head coach Cliff Kingsbury earlier today, MJ, said he was, quote, hopeful that all three, Devon Kennard, Dennis Gardeck, and Kylie Fitz, would be able to go on Monday. Of course, the team did add Isaiah Irving to the roster as well, so he's in the mix as well, but he was just signed. Yes, he's on the active roster, but how much does he know to where he could be of some impact, if you will, on this week's contest on Monday? Yeah, I do think an extra day is going to help. The team is not going to leave until Sunday afternoon. Um, according to Dennis Gardeck there in his uh, media session on Zoom, he told us based on the, uh, the, the, the training department and himself, he's, he'll be playing, so we know that's one. Kennard's dealing with that calf strain. And then Kylie Fitz, I mean, he's, he's a guy that probably doesn't – a lot of people aren't aware of, but when you see him in the game where number 49, he's done a really good job setting the edge. And, you know, if you're not going to rush the quarterback, you could set the edge and you could almost make the same, a little bit more skill set, a little more physicality in Kennard. So it'd be nice to have all three of those guys back considering you don't have Chandler Jones. And Fitz right now limited because of a hamstring injury. You bring up Chandler Jones, an update on him. He posted a photo of himself in a hospital bed on his Instagram early this morning and then this afternoon went to Twitter and said, quote, Surgery was a success. Thank you all for your well wishes. I appreciate the support from everyone. Can't wait to start this road to recovery. Comeback season 2021. Y'all just wait. Hashtag go cards. So some good news for Chandler Jones. As we heard from head coach Cliff Kingsbury earlier in the week, about a three to four month recovery should mean that he should have a full off season to get ready for what will be, at least right now, his final track with the Cardinals. Yeah, I wouldn't rule against him. And, you know, obviously I would think the Cardinals would try to sign him to an extension. I don't think the injury is going to preclude anything. It's not like he um, tore his ACL or he's you know, got to have microfracture surgeries and Achilles injury. Um, you know, it's probably just wear and tear over the years and kind of like a rubber band. But I, I would think they would have that conversation. You don't want him going into the, uh, you know, late in the year. Uh, to be possibly a free agent, there's always the tags, but really nobody wins there. The player wants an upfront money. The team wants, obviously, flexibility when it comes to the cap. But I would think something, at least negotiating-wise, will happen next uh, between now and the following or the upcoming season. Yeah, he is certainly going to be missed. And as we've heard all week long, the word collective effort to try to replace. And you're not going to replace him, but to try to just lessen a little bit the impacts of not having 55 on the field. 
All right. It is a football Friday here leading into Monday night football. The Cardinals and Cowboys, Cardinals three and two, Cowboys two and three. The eighth meeting between these two teams on Monday night football. How about Patrick Peterson? We didn't really get into this on Thursday, but certainly some, I wouldn't say bulletin board material, but making a statement, literally wants to put the world on notice to prove that the Cardinals are for real. And I'm paraphrasing, but he used those words specifically, quote, put the world on notice. MJ, there is no better stage. I know Sunday night football kind of has maybe superseded Monday night football in terms of ratings. But for me, for guys that have been following the game for a long, long time, Monday night football is special. It will always be special. Yeah, and no, they got to back it up. Uh, you know, he, he mentioned this is going to be his revenge tour, and now you know, losing Chandler, uh, it's going to put a little bit more pressure on the secondary. Um, it's going to little put more pressure on the offense, where they probably going to have to score more points and keep the defense fresh. Um, but you know, he practices every day, he feels good about it, and let's be honest, it's a very winnable game. You know, we get to next week, it's all based on matchups, but they feel like they can put some points up, and if they can somehow for some turnovers, then maybe this game won't be as close. But I, I do think it could be high scoring when it's all said and done. All right. If we are to use Peterson's words that this team is for real, what is going to happen? Mike Jarecki's three keys to victory. What is number one? All right. Well, the biggest storyline would have been Dak Prescott. And now you fact that they're bringing in Andy Dalton, who started a hundred and First 133 games in the NFL. He's been a Pro Bowler. Um, obviously, he's you know he's got over 200 touchdowns. Completion percentage is pretty good. Um, but at what point do these injuries on offense become too much for the Cowboys to overcome? So when you look at that, uh, you know they're playing with a makeshift offensive line. Clearly, they really got good um, skill position players. Maybe not so much tight end position. And then defensively, you know they're struggling in secondary. Demarcus Lawrence, who's obviously been compared to Chandler Jones, got the big money, put plays with his hand in the dirt, not so much an outside linebacker. You know, he only has one sack. Um, you know, you look at Jalen Smith coming off the injury. You know, Randy Gregory, I still think he's a week away. He brings a lot of energy to that defense. So I just wonder, at some point, is it too much for the Cowboys to overcome? So when we start looking at the key matchups, you know, based on my conversation with Roy Green, you know, I want to see the Cardinals receivers, running backs, and tight ends. They need to get create separation for Murray to be successful. Now, we know he's willing to take those chances. Um, he's got the arm strength. He definitely improved from the 18 to 19 ratio last week. They took two shots down the field, 37-yard and a 45-yard. Great throw and catch by both Murray and Hopkins. And so I just think they got to get off press coverage because, you know, is Mike Nolan, who Larry said he's dealt with him in the past, obviously being in San Francisco, um, you know, what's he going to try to do with these defense? Once again, they're going to play a 4-3 defense, um, you know, linebacker-wise and secondary-wise. They lost Brian Jones. Um, you know, they get picked on a little bit. And, again, the Giants did score 24 points. So hopefully the Cardinals receivers can get some separation, in particular the running backs, Maura Chase Edmonds, and the tight ends. One of those corners that we're talking about is a rookie, Trevon Diggs, the second-round pick out of Alabama. Now Alabama is certainly a very talented – that's where – a lot of the talent comes from out of the SEC. But if you can get maybe a little bit of a mismatch on somebody, 
much like we saw in the Lions uh, with Jeff Okuda, someone who's, you know, very talented, but all of a sudden maybe in a bigger stage and against a more talented, more experienced receiver like a DeAndre Hopkins or Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I mean, I, I just overall in I don't want to be him to become a prisoner of war where he feels like he's got to throw it to Hopkins. They have enough weapons now. And clearly, you know, when it comes to Kugler and Hayden and Saxon, running backs, tight ends, the offensive line coach, they want to run the football. But, you know, that's probably why Drake's not getting targeted as much in the passing game, you know, even though, you know, he's probably good in the flat on a quick screen pass where he can break a tackle or two. So I just think from, from a standpoint of, I want to see these guys get some separation because it would make it a lot easier on Murray. Did you happen to see DeAndre Hopkins' tweet earlier this week about the play, his touchdown against the Jets? Everyone was talking about his catch. He was, I think, interfered with. The guy was holding his arm. There was a safety over the top, and he made a one-handed catch off his chest. So everyone is so enthusiastic about the catch, and it was tweeted out. The Arizona Cardinals Twitter account tweeted out that play and said, what a catch. Hopkins' response, what a throw. I think that's getting lost in the shuffle here. And another indication, at least for me, MJ, that here you have a franchise-wide receiver trying to bring along a young franchise quarterback, and that relationship just getting tighter and tighter, not only – off the field, but more importantly, on the field. Yeah, and I'm glad that they had that conversation. I think it will continue on game day based on coverage. He, he felt that, you know, if, if they're going to play man-to-man, the safety over the top, he likes his chances. Murray did underthrow him a little bit, but obviously, you know, he was able to catch the ball. Um, you know, it's, it's not like he was, um, you know, bottling it, but you got to possess it. Um, but listen, that's something to build on. It's on film. Now, speaking of big plays, no, I think Patrick Peterson said we got to be on alert. Vance Joseph talked about, you know, those three wide receivers. And then I still think Elliott's one of the best dual backs in the league. I would say top three. You know, Le'Veon Bell's not there. A lot of teams, you know, they have a, a running back that's kind of the first down, Derrick Henry. But he doesn't get the ball thrown in the, in, in the, you know, out there in the, in the screen game or at least out for routes. So I think the Cardinals got to avoid those those splash plays, those chunk plays. And, you know, we went through that stat yesterday where they're number one when it comes to a team's, you know, getting 15 yards or more. And, you know, they gave it the most certain was, – that was a short pass for a touchdown. They gave up with the uh, Teddy Bridgewater rush for 23 yards. They gave up the Adrian Peterson rush. Um, but for the most part, they've done a really good job. So I, I think they got to eliminate the uh, the splash and chunk plays. Splash plays are considered 20 yards. Chunk plays are 40 um, you know, the first guy that comes to my, uh, mind is Michael Gallup because, you know, it's amazing because we know that Dalton wasn't getting a ton of reps, but, you know, he's, he's an NFL uh, viable quarterback. But the plays that he made in that fourth quarter and the fact that he knew how to get his toe tapping and, and, and dragging his toe to the sidelines is impressive. Amari Cooper's probably one of the best polished receivers, uh, especially on that out route, and Dalton can make that throw. And then as we've heard twice this week from not only Kyler, uh, maybe it was Cliff and even Patrick Peterson. They said Jerry Judy's kind of like a five-year vet, very quick out of the breaks. So I'm concerned yards after catch, run after catch. And if they think they can le- keep that in front of them now with the, you know, hopefully Deontay Thompson and, and Buda Baker, and then you got Murphy and Patrick and then Peterson, you know, hopefully get a pass rush. But they have to avoid the big plays because, 
you know, Dallas, you know, with with three linemen out, went out there starting quarterback, they're going to try to get some big chunk plays to move the football down the field. As quickly as possible so they don't have as many mistakes or aren't yep. on the field for the possibility of mistakes. And I think Gallup is one of those wide receivers that is certainly under the radar. People forget it's a thousand yard receiver last season. And then you look at this season, his 20.5 yards per catch is second best in the NFL behind only DK Metcalf. And that right there is a splash play. There's not going to be a ton of fans, but 20 to 25,000, you get them going early in the contest. Now all of a sudden you start getting some confidence for the Cowboys. Andy Dalton, certainly a Texas quarterback, TCU. He's looking forward to this matchup as well. I like it. Avoid the big plays because if you can make the Cowboys work to get into the red zone, to get into the end zone, now all of a sudden there's more potential of penalties or turnovers. The latter, of course, the Cardinals need more takeaways. Exactly. And when it comes to the X factor, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. I, I think he needs to be that dual threat, um, whether they put a spy on him or not. You know, I don't know what the magic number is, seven or eight rushes. Usually when he rushes over eight times, the record's pretty good. Um, but I don't want him to force it. I think there'll be some design runs. And, again, uh, he showed major improvement last week when it came to throwing those intermediate routes. I liked his deep ball. Give Hopkins a lot of credit for obviously catching him. Um, so I think if, if Kyler Murray can just be that dual threat, I don't want him to just sit in the pocket and take hits and try to – I got to force this because I got to be a pocket passer. I think he knows he'll take what the defense gives him, but I don't want him to have any limitations when it comes to running the football. Be himself. Yep. Don't do anything more. And I don't think we've seen him color outside the lines. I think he's always been pretty – keen on making sure that he does his job and then when it's not there or a play is not executed properly that's when nine times out of ten he'll take off and run unless he sees something up at the line of scrimmage in which the middle of the field is wide open I just think that there is a sentiment out there that because it's Monday night football going back home AT&T Stadium that maybe all of a sudden he gets caught up in all of that and I understand and I get it. And to a certain extent, maybe he does need to at least go out there initially and kind of say, all right, take a look around. But it just doesn't seem to me that this is big for him or anything bigger than what he's already been through going all the way back to high school, college, and now here in the National Football League. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that first and second possession, you know, hopefully they don't go three and out because, you know, he, they want to move the football and obviously keep their defense on the sidelines. But, you know, after that, um, I, I just think he's he's used to playing in the stadium. He's used to playing. And I thought Steve Kine brought up a good point on Friday morning on, on Doug and Wolf where, you know, he remembers going against, uh, you know, Dan Marino and he, you know, Marino hit his hand on him. And, he, and at that point he kind of relaxed. But, you know, when he breaks the huddle, he's going to see those Dallas Cowboy helmets. I mean, shiny and, you know, again, it's kind of a nightclub and that huge jumbotron. So I'm sure that will be because, you know, growing up, man, I'm sure he was rooting for quarterbacks and teams. But how do you, I mean, Houston Oilers were there and then they eventually, I mean, uh, yeah, the Oilers and then they moved to Tennessee and then they got the Texans there. So um, I'm sure just the history there. Um, but I do think the first possession, and maybe they'll hand it off, you know, just get everyone calmed down. 
Um, but I think once we get in, once we get into the first four or five minutes of the game, I, I think it's just football. And, you know, one thing guys don't want to do is make a mistake on Monday night football. Cause when they're in the locker room, their phone's going to be blown up. Now, if you make a big play, um, you know, it's not like Timmy Smith in his Super Bowl where you're a household name. And the only time we talk about him is, you know, he ran for 213 yards with, with the Washington football team, but you want to make some, you want to make some plays because, your high school uh, friends are watching. Your grade school friends, their parents are watching. Your high school uh, teachers are watching. Uh, people that you just met on the street, or they're watching, and they're all rooting for you. Once you get a connection to a player and you feel like you know him or he knows your name or recognizes your face, I mean that's how it is. So, um, but I do think once you know, once they get through that, um, but again, there's going to be twenty five thousand fans there, and uh, I'm sure the Cardinals are looking for it now. They got to create their own energy. I think we figured that out. You know, even though they won in San Francisco, I thought, you know, practicing that stadium would help, but obviously it didn't do well against the Lions. Curious just on how many of those fans, either Cardinal fans or maybe more importantly, Kyler Murray fans, those fans that follow the Dallas Cowboys in the state of Texas, certainly well aware of Kyler Murray. I mean, high school football in the state of Texas is, I wouldn't say almost as big as the Dallas Cowboys, but it is a very, very big deal. So how many of those people maybe are sitting there hoping that Murray does well, maybe just not well enough for the Cardinals to come away with a win? Yeah, and, and maybe someone got a jersey for Christmas and, and they're Cowboys fans, but they're going to root for him tomorrow night. I, you know, But I do think he's got a fan base. It's, I don't think it's just in Arizona. I'm sure it's in Oklahoma, Texas, and then – you know, obviously, if you when you're the offensive rookie of the year and, you know, you're, you're going to get some commercials at some point, it'll be nationally. But, again, if the team wins 10 or 11 games, obviously people will be focusing on not only him but the team. Going back to that conversation General Manager Steve Kaim had this morning on Arizona Sports, he used the word surreal as far as when he saw and was on the field with Dan Marino. And I think to a certain extent, that is what Kyler Murray is going to be facing on Monday. And I really appreciate, and I like the fact that he didn't, talking about Murray, didn't downplay this week. He was smiling. He was openly talking about his high school days. There's a great story on acardinals.com that Darren Urban wrote. There's going to be a great feature piece on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube page that is coming out later as well. And for the Bird Gang that might be listening to this over the weekend, go to the YouTube page, the official Arizona Cardinals YouTube page. It's about a four-and-a-half-minute piece on Kyler Murray and talking to his former teammates at Allen High School, his former head coach. Very well done. And Kyler Murray in there as well, looking back on his time in which he – had Allen High School win 43 straight games and three consecutive state championships. But that, I think, means that he at least understands what's about to happen. And now all of a sudden, I think he'll be ready for it um, and prepared. And maybe he'll get hit emotionally initially, national anthem, stepping on the field for the first time. But hopefully by the time kickoff, hey, it's just another football game. Yeah, just don't come out and turn the ball over. You know, don't over, over mail something, make it s- simple. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, when it comes to Murray, like I said, I, I, I think there'll be some butterflies, but I, hopefully he settles in there. And, you know, uh, the fact is that, you know, this team is, you know, I, they're treating it like a business trip. I know it's Monday Night Football, but everything you hear, and I think it worked last week, you know, because they weren't going to get any credit if they beat the Jets and if they would have lost, the sky's falling, fire everyone. 
Um, but I think they, they regrouped and, you know, I thought, I thought the Lions game was a wake up call. But when you lose back to back weeks and the thing here is Craig's is you, you already lost two conference games. Okay. Now granted you have a division win against uh, the Niners. So you're on the tiebreaker there. Still got five division games coming up, but this is a conference game. And I believe this Cardinal team can win eight or nine games. And I think nine games would be the seventh seed, uh, possibly in both conferences. So again, it's, it's Monday night football. It's a conference game. Um, the Cardinals want to go on a winning streak here before they play the Seahawks. So this means kind of multiple, nothing against, you know, going to play the Jets and, and the Bills and those games count, but these really count. This is like a double whammy. Um, so it's really important. And, you know, if you had told me and, um, I don't know, maybe after the schedule came out, which we don't know who the quarterback's going to be half the time, if they are four and two at the six, at six games, and possibly five and two. Now I'm getting ahead of myself for four and three. I mean, I would have signed up for that. And we're talking a quality win against San Fran. Obviously, you got to take care of business of teams you should beat, and that could have been Carolina and Detroit, but they took care of that against the Jets. So this is a big game because it's the next game, and it's not a must-win. But you know, Dallas is trying to stay in the race. They're tied for first place right now, and Philly maybe get the tiebreak because they have a tie at the end of the year. So they could be like seven, eight, and one, and get in the postseason. So um, again, it, not only the, the, the platform and the stage and the glitz and glamour, this is an important game for the NFC if the Cardinals want to be considered in that conversation in the next couple of months. You always talk about stacking wins, and this is an opportunity to make it back-to-back weeks with Ws and get to that fourth win ahead of hosting Seattle on October 25th. All right, let's recap here. MJ's three keys to victory, and then your X factor here. Okay, so first of all, my, my, I just wanted to bring up the biggest storyline would have been uh, Press, Prescott, but now it's going to be obviously their skill position players and then Andy Dalton. So I was basically saying at what point do the injuries on the offense become too much for Dallas overcome? But when it comes to the, the actual matchup, because these injuries occurred before the game, so it's not like – we didn't know about it. Um, separation, just on a conversation I had with Roy Green, um, you know, he's watching the games. He watches a lot of games. He, uh, you know, works out wide receivers, uh, you know, previous in the last couple of years. And he just don't think – and Hopkins has never been a guy that gets separation because of his speed. But I do think he gets separation off of press coverage. Um, and it could just be, uh, you know, one yard to the left or the right. And so, you know, when Roy told me that, I, you know, I'm like, okay, I – I mean, you can make a case that Larry's not getting separation, but he really never has. He gets bracketed. But I don't think teams are going to bracket him this year. And then with Kirk and Isabella. So just want to see the backs that get, get targeted more. Edmonds, um, you know, Arnold, if he's targeted. I want to see these guys get a little separation because that will go a long way when it comes to accuracy. And not that Murray can't make the throws, um, but sometimes you got to help your quarterback out by getting open. And then the other one is just the big plays. Um, I think this is going to be a dangerous offense the Cardinals are facing. I just, and again, they're all a little bit different. We've talked on, focused on that between Patrick Peterson and Vance Joseph. So, um, avoid the splash plays and, and the chunk plays because, you know, I don't know if they want to sit there and get into a shootout. I'm sure they would if they have no other choice, but do they want to go down the field eight, nine plays? knowing that possibly they can turn the ball over or they're not going to get touchdowns instead of field goals. So just eliminate those big plays. Try to keep everything in front of you, and hopefully the secondary will settle down. And then the uh, the X factor was Kyler Murray. 
I, I just think, um, you know, he needs to be a dual threat. I, I thought he showed improvement last week on those intermediate throws, and I, I don't want him to uh, hinder his, his running. I think if he gets seven, eight runs, um, you know, there's been a game or two this year. He's ripped off a 35 and a 40-yard run, and it kind of rejuvenates the offense, and then the teams are guessing what they're going to do in the red zone. So um, no surprise there, but I, I think the dual threat has to be a factor if this team is going to put points on the board. Good recap. I want to add something to your conversation about the Cowboys offense, and you mentioned the injuries and do they finally catch up to this team. And just looking at the biggest injuries this team has outside of Dak Prescott, just the offensive line and what they started with at the start of the season with Tyron Smith, a pro bowler and all pro, Travis Frederick, a pro bowler, all pro. And now you've got an undrafted rookie free agents on your right tackle in Terrence Steele, a 2019 undrafted rookie free agent as your left tackle and Brandon Knight. And you're on your third different center, Tyler Biedish, a fourth round pick this season because Joe Looney suffered an MCL sprain only after Frederick got hurt earlier. So what this Cowboys team has done so far certainly deserves a lot of praise. And I think a lot of it is because of what Dak Prescott's able to do. Yet when people say, hey, more on Ezekiel Elliott to run the football can you really run behind this offensive line more than you already are? Yeah, and, you know, one of the things, you know, I had a couple questions for Vance, but, you know, I noticed in, in the in the Lions game, not so much in the, in, the, in the San Francisco game, and then obviously with Dwayne Haskins, we didn't see a lot of it, but the bootlegs, the play action to the left, put the ball in the belly of the running back, and the quarterback has it in his belly, and he turns his back on the defense, and they roll out, and there's always somebody open. And, the, uh, and I'm always concerned because I want to see the Cardinals run a better screen game. It's been years. And then defend the screen game because Elliott's the perfect guy. He gets he gets to some real estate, Craig. He's not the easiest guy to bring down. He'll, he'll try to run around you or try to run through you. So, um, you know, physicality-wise, they're going to have to show that. And I think, you know, just based on some of the drills I watched, you know, on, on Wednesday and, and Thursday, um, it looks like they're up for the task. And, and again, um, this is a – if you're the Brinson Buckner or Vance Joseph, this is a your front seven unit should be have an advantage. Or maybe your D-line should have an advantage because Dallas missing – and they spend $60 million committed to their offensive line. And those guys you mentioned, um, they all have been Pro Bowl players. They've all gotten extensions. Um, they've all played well. And, and that was one of the reasons why they felt like, you know, you, you, you protect Dak Prescott and run the football. Um, but give, uh, you know, Steven and Jerry Jones credit because they went out and find these, these three receivers, you know, Lamb in the draft and Gallup was a fourth-round pick and then obviously making the trade for Amari Cooper. So, um, they, they they have a talented roster. I think this is a dangerous game, but I, I do think they got some holes on both sides of the ball. Bird Gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go like Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Rage, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information.
As we continue here on this Football Friday, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We teased it at the start of the show as far as history. Cardinals and Cowboys, they go back a long, long way. But speaking of history, did you happen to catch what Cowboys owner Jerry Jones said on the radio? Asked about Kyler Murray's success at AT&T Stadium. He's 6-0 and as a starter, 7-0 and overall. Jones, quote, he's probably in the top 10 of any talented player that has played in that stadium. And it, and it, that's saying a lot because I was thinking, you know, the old Texas stadium in Irving, Texas, you know, the old, they had a hole in the roof. People said God was watching it. I don't know why he needed a hole in the roof. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I was, cause they opened in 2009. So their 10th or 11th year state farm stadiums in their 15th year, believe it or not from Sun Devil stadium days. Yeah. That's saying something. Um, yeah, I mean, it's they've had you know, those Big 12 championship games. Um, Kyler Murray was successful there. High school championship games, he was successful there. I, I would like to see who, who's on that list. And, you know, people in Texas, you know, uh, the, over, I think if you look at an area like the 60s or the 70s, et cetera, et cetera, like who is the greatest quarterback or who is the greatest football player? And I think we live in a microwave society where we know what's happened in the last few years, so we want instant results. Even the guy that they thought was the best player, he said, no, it's Kyler Murray. So, I mean, if he's saying it, and he had that title for a long, long time, and he said, I have no problem saying he's the best. And you can't say that. I mean, you're talking about the it's a hotbed, 40,000, 50,000 people on a Friday night. Everything shuts down. It's like Friday Night Lights, Varsity Blues. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, they have pep rallies and kids that play their, in their neighborhood. They're streamers. I mean, it's... It's a different culture, and that's probably why we see, you know, kids from LSU, Florida, Texas, Arizona, California. That's why these guys are getting in the NFL, because they're going to these good colleges and get a chance to play. Well, they always say things are bigger in Texas, and high school football certainly very, very big. So is this matchup as far as the history between these two teams, the 89th all-time meeting. Remember, they used to be rivals in the NFC East. They would play twice a year. That ended in 2001. But there is a lot of respect between these two franchises because it was the Cowboys that were the Cardinals opponent for the first ever game in the state of Arizona at Sun Devil Stadium. And that game on September 12, 1988, a Monday night football contest. Cowboys ended up winning. But the other matchup, and I believe you were in attendance, the 1998 wildcard game. At Big D, Cardinals won that contest 20 to 7, and that might be, and well, up until that point, certainly the biggest mark in the history book of the Arizona Cardinals. And I, remove, I remember the next morning, David Cass Stevens. I want to say he was a columnist here, but he had maybe moved on to to Dallas, and so um, somebody got the paper and they brought it back. We flew home on the team plane. There was about 5,000 people at the airport. That Jake Plummer was going nuts. And the Dallas Morning News in the following morning said, Cardinals are big red is now the team to beat in the NFC East. And it, and it was like Troy Aikman. It was just fascinating, man. It was like – and that was their first playoff win in 47 years. Yeah, I was not here at that time, but I've seen the highlights. I've read the recaps, and 
just how much that meant certainly to the Bidwell family because, you know, Dallas Cowboys, America's team, I mean, that's not a new thing. That's, that's going back several generations as far as the Cowboys and what they mean to the National Football League. When they are good, the NFL is good. And even when they're not good, they're still talked about in this league on a day-to-day basis. As we mentioned, the eighth meeting all-time on Monday Night Football, the last time these two teams faced was also on Monday Night Football in 2017, game that Larry Fitzgerald, 13 catches, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Unfortunately, it came in a loss. Cardinals, though, have won four of the past five meetings, so they do have that going for them. But look, these are two teams that, you know, every single year is a brand new team, but just kind of fun to look back because we've got new Bird Gang fans that forget that this team that everyone loves and follows used to be in the same division as the Cowboys, the Eagles, Washington, the Giants, the black and blue division, if you will, and now they're on the NFC West and much easier, not competition, but as far as much easier when it comes to travel. Yeah, I wish we had Jimmy Omohundra on here because um, if you want to go back, what, 50 years, almost to maybe last week, the Cowboys and Cardinals played on Monday Night Football. And Mark Dalton, the esteemed uh, media director for the Arizona Cardinals, tweeted out a photo of Dandy Don, Don Meredith, the party's over, turn out the lights, and then our Howard Corsell and Frank Gifford. And they were on the sidelines, you know, before the game doing their uh, talk back. So that's that's the history right there. But that was the, one of the – I think it was the first Monday night game. And here the Cardinals are, which 50 years later, and still playing the Cowboys based on the, on the schedule rotation. So it couldn't have worked out any better. And, uh, Craig, it's – don't get ahead of myself. You know, we obviously feel like this is a winnable game, but you got to go out there and play. It's not on paper, but four and two sounds so much better than three and three. Yes, it does. And at this point, I know we've all talked about, you know, expecting a lot of points scored. At the end of the day, how do you win? And that field goal, slugfest, nine to three, 39 to 35. Hey, Walk off that field at AT&T Stadium, come back to Tempe and the facility late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, and immediately start to get ready for the Seahawks. Yeah, we'll, we'll take the W however it happens. Um, but, you know, this team's got to be more consistent. they got to cut out the negative plays, and they got they got to play a complete game. And I know the other team gets paid. You know, special teams is obviously rises up to the occasion. Defensively, they've had their moments. Offensively, they've had their moments. But... Again, I think this is a game where you start building your confidence again. We know that the, uh, every team missed the preseason and just the, the lack of hitting in training camp. So hopefully it gets better. Um, I do think the offenses are ahead of the defenses right now, but that will change, especially when we get to colder weather and weather becomes a factor. Not so much for us, but you know some of those back east games that teams have to play regularly. Don't have to wait much longer. 5.15 is the kickoff on Monday night. And, of course, we'll break it all down on Tuesday here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, Bird Gang, rest up. Enjoy the weekend. Watch some football on Sunday because everyone will be watching the Cardinals and Cowboys come Monday night. Special thanks, as always, to our executive producer, Jim Almohandro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.